Father, thank you for your love and grace and for allowing me to get to hang out with people like this. Ask your grace and favor to be upon us. Heal the hearts, Lord. Um, the secret wounds, the stuff, the burdens, that gives us heavy hearts. Um, heal and protect. I'm asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Let's look at uh, Isaiah 28. And I was I was just telling Phyllis a minute ago that I absolutely love Isaiah. And it's just been a joy to dig in. So Isaiah 28. Okay. So here we go. When you see the word woe, right? In Hebrew, it, it's a word that's very negative. Uh, sometimes it's associated with funeral crying. Uh, something horrible has happened, something heartbreaking. And whoa, this is sad. It's sad and it's bad. So you get that sense of the Hebrew word, whoa. So woe to the proud crown of the habitually drunk of Ephraim and to the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of the fertile valley of those who are overcome with wine. So interesting, we get, we get automatically, we're talking about alcohol here and wine in their cultural terms, not ours. And we've picked up this geographic position of Ephraim. There you go, we're, we're doing great. <laughs> A little scripture, Stephen, and it turns it loose. Yeah. Isn't it wonderful? Beautiful. And then verse nine, verse 2 shifts away from Ephraim in the sense of drunkenness to verse 2. Behold, the Lord has a strong and mighty agent, a force, an influence, and whatever that thing is, we're not sure so far, it's like a storm, as a storm of hail. A tempest of destruction, tornado, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He has thrown it down to the earth with his hand. Scholars agree that we're talking about the coming judgment of Assyria. It's coming down from the north and it's already hit Samaria and it's moving south, which means Judah's next, next in line. Um, a, a, a brief word of transparency. I'm not real crazy about flying. Just kind of like my feet on the ground. And I'm absolutely not crazy about tornadoes. And in the spring, welcome to an Arkansas spring, it'll spike up to 70 degrees and be gorgeous and then plummet down to 40. And as the temps go up and down, the storms roll in and welcome to tornadic weather patterns, as they say. And so you, you, you know, you, you hear, you know, tornado watch for so-and-so county, Saline County, moving north, east, and that's like Little Rock, you know, and you think about that, or uh, I've got a friend who lives just north of where the tornado went through in Bologna, you know, and so that it's, you get that warning deal. This is what he's talking about. The judgment of God the agent or the object that God is using 
or to make it even more clear, the, the spoon, the spatula, the spanking device that God's going to use, Assyria. God is allowing an enemy nation to spank a very, very disobedient Israel. Absolutely. And so uh, it's coming south. The storm, the tempest, the tornado is coming down. Case, um, Stephen, I think David Fort needs to get in. His code's not working. And uh, moving south, all right? So we started off with Ephraim. There's a lot of alcohol. There's a lot of drinking going on in Ephraim. This beautiful, uh, beautiful place that is described as a crown, a proud crown, and that's related to a beautiful valley. Hey, David. And that's at the head of a fertile valley. Well, guess what that is? That is a descriptor of Samaria, Ephraim, in that area, which was fertile and raised some of the best grapes and made some of the best wine in Israel. So it was real popular. Wine production was a dominant economic thing in this area. And with that came the abuse of alcohol, is what's happening here, right? And Isaiah is saying that at one time it was a beautiful thing, this, these lush valleys and, and all these things, and, and there was wine and all that. But something happens, verse 3, the, splend, the splendid crown of the habitually drunk of Ephraim is trampled underfoot. And the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is at the head of that fertile valley in Samaria, will be like the first ripe fig prior to the summer, which one sees. And as soon as it is in his hand, he swallows it. In other words, it's going to be destroyed. Assyria is coming, and there's going to be terrible punishment. But look at the flip. Isaiah says, on that day, though, it flips over to another scene. It's the Lord of armies who will become a beautiful crown and a glorious wreath to the remnant of his people, a spirit of justice for him who sits in judgment, a strength to those who repel the onslaught at the gate. Fascinating. So here's the imagery. Judgment comes on those whose God is alcohol. Who, who think that uh, an irresponsible life, a life where uh, we have no regard for God, his character, his laws, alcohol can become its own, its own idol. And I'm, this is kind of rough reading, okay? But it's God's word, and so we're going to go with it, even if it's hard on the ears. Look at verse 7. And these people, and I'll tell you who they are real soon, these people also reel with wine and stagger from intoxicating drink. The priests, the priest and the prophet reel, they're staggering from intoxicating drink. They are confused by wine. They stagger from intoxicating drink. They reel while they have visions. They stagger when rendering a verdict from all the table for all the tables are full of filthy vomit without a single clean place <laughs> that is rough i know rough language this is what isaiah is doing 
He is condemning the religious leaders, priests, the prophets, religious leaders, and when you mention judges and ruling, it's the political aspect of the ruling uh, groups, the chiefs, the, the heads of clans in the city, all these things, which is also prophet and priest. And so, the, in other words, the leadership, leadership structure of Israel is a complete failure, is what's going on, okay? And they are failing so bad that it's as though you've got a judge who's trying to rule on a case and he's about to fall off his, his, his stately uh, chair with his stately robes on, you know, while his judge's table is covered in vomit from intoxicating uh, a toxic load of alcohol. Now, some historians say these people are not that drunk. This isn't really about alcohol. It's about people who are just simply disobedient. It's not about getting so drunk that the place is covered with vomit from one end to the other. That's not what the imagery is about. It's about this is how spiritually disobedient Israel and her leaders have become. Okay. Now, what's the correct interpretation? Probably yes. <laughs> it's going to be both. This is not about an entire nation that's, that are alcoholics. That's, that would be silly to take it that far. But it's also so to say that this is all metaphor because there was massive great production coming out of this area and with that came all kinds of wineries. That's like saying, uh, describing Napa Valley, but assuming nobody drinks in Napa Valley. <laughs> they all drink in Napa Valley, or in the majority do. Uh, and that's, that's what's going on. It appears this is the case. And, and with that, if you know anything about, you get enough, I know, uh, Michelle, you're, you're a scientist, you get enough ethanol in your system, and what happens to the brain? What is ethanol, by the way? How does it affect the brain? Absolutely a drug. And what does it do to the brain? I'm, I'm waiting. This brilliant comments are coming from those folk over there. What's the brain? What did she say? Corn? Isn't it from the effects of the oxidization of it? No. What did you say? You just wait to your mind and you can't hear a thing. I feel like Isaiah and Phoebe are talking. The blood. Absolutely. So that puts you at risk if you take an injury, right, from a sore. Well, actually not initially, but you keep drinking and it becomes toxic, which leads to your body saying, enough is enough. We're going to vomit for a while. Let's get it out. You know, that's what the brain does. What is, what is ethanol? It's an anesthesia. What does it do? It puts you to sleep. And when you're kind of doing this, you know, from the ethanol, you lose cognitive, executive cognitive function on the front lobes, and you don't know what's right and wrong. You don't know what ends up, what ends down, and you end up proving yourself a greater fool than you were when you're sober. <laughs> okay? So, not good. Uh, one, of the, one of the comedic jokes is, that uh, alcohol accentuates the personality. So if you're already a fool and an idiot, this is really bad. It's gonna make it worse, as they say. 
Um, or I love the quote that's rather famous. It's, it's supposedly comes out of Greek culture. Um, when you're dead, you don't know you're dead. And the pain of your death, the loss, is passed on to other people. It's the same with stupid people. Yeah. They don't know they're stupid, and it makes other people suffer. Can you imagine? So, bottom line is, and by the way, no surprise. Really, when you read all the prophets, any surprise, they always attack the priests. They always attack the prophets. They always attack the kings. Always. Why? Because they're the leaders. And those who are in positions of responsibility are always judged by a higher standard. When Jesus came, did Jesus do that? Any surprise? His most fierce uh, words of condemnation were all directed to Pharisees and Sadducees, right? Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, And then something interesting happens in verse 9. So to whom... Would God teach? Who, who is God going to teach knowledge? And to whom would he interpret the message? Those <clears throat> just weaned from milk. Those just taken from the breast. For he says, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there. Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, this is the place of quiet. Give rest to the weary, and this is the resting place. But they would not listen. So the word of the Lord to them will be, again, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there, that they may go and stumble backwards, be broken, snared, and taken what is Isaiah talking about? What do you guys think? What do you think he means by that? A child, a nursing child, uh, the contrast of breast milk versus wine, and then this curious language, order on order, line on line, a little here, a little there. What's he talking about? And like children, basically, they don't want to follow, you know, they don't know the word no, they don't want to hear the word no. Okay, good. That's really good, David. Anybody else? What do you think? Also laziness. Yeah. Yeah. Sleeping a lot. Yeah. So a lot of scholarly ink has been spilt on answering that question. What is uh, line on line, you know, little by little, order on order. Um, And this is what Uh, it appears to be the case. The language uh, are, David, words in Hebrew, educational words, okay, educational concepts, I should say, that a child would understand, okay? In other words, if you listen to Stephen and Rebecca as they're trying to educate the two-year-old, the toddler, they say little little concepts. Uh, Evelyn, that's a no-no. We've all done this, right? That's a no-no, or yes, or yay, Evelyn, you picked up your toy, or something like that. That is exactly what the idea is here. These are simple educational concepts about Torah, about the law of God, okay? And a child, a nursing child, has more sense 
drawing milk from mother's breast than the priests and the prophets who try to draw life out of a bottle of wine. Okay? And Isaiah is making a mockery of adults who are not smart enough to learn to find life in God, in life in Torah, and instead they're trying to find life in idolatrous behaviors and the idea, can we live life a part of God's will? And the answer is no. And a child knows more than that. And so he's making a mockery of, of God saying, look, it, it's as though God is saying, look, I've been a parent to you. I've been like a caring, nurturing mother for you. I've taught you a little bit here, a little bit there, order on order here, line by line here, and you still refuse the simplest forms of instruction in Torah on how to follow me. And because of that, you're going to stumble backward, be broken, snared, and taken captive as though you are a drunk man that can't defend himself. <coughs> and, and probably you guys have seen video reels of a drunk guy that gets mouthy at a restaurant and, and tries, to, tries to face off with some big healthy sober dude. And what happens in about three seconds? The drunk guy is leveled and he can't even get up. That's the idea. Israel, the judgment's coming, and you're so drunk you can't even handle it. All you're gonna, all you're gonna do is vomit and stumble, and you're gonna be broken. So harsh, harsh language. Um, another way some scholars look at this, order here, order there, line, line, little here, little there, is compromise. Little, little compromise here, little compromise there. A little missing of what of, of the de being dismissive of the little things that God says. And if you keep being dismissive of the little things God says, what eventually happens? You miss the big things that God says, right? Um, you guys are smart folk. If your compass is set due north and you've got to go 100 miles, if your compass is slightly off, on the first few yards or the first mile of the journey, are you off course? Really? How much? Sometimes. It, 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 I, I if it's over a stretch out of 100 miles. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good deviation. It's, it's starting, but the farther you go, right. the deviation exponentially increases. So that by the time you get to the 100 mile point, you may be way, way, way off course. At first, it's hard to tell. Little compromise, little compromise, little compromise, and then all of a sudden, you're far from home. Judah's warned, which means, mean, Judah, you're next. Assyria's already bringing wrath, like a hailstorm, like a tornado. It's already coming down on Samaria, Ephraim. You're next, Judah. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people, who are in Jerusalem. Again, religious leaders being confronted and political leaders because you have said we have made a covenant with death and with Shoal we have made a pact the gushing flood will not reach us when it passes by because we have made falsehood our refuge and we have concealed ourselves with deception flat out denial of spiritual condition um, wow I mean we could park there for a while uh, Regarding people who struggle with addiction, you may have noticed this pattern, which started with AA. 
like 75 years ago when AA really launched. And when you, if you go to an AA meeting and I'm going to speak, how do I begin? What, what are the, what's the first thing I say? And? And define my problems. Hi, my name's Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. Now, park there just for a second. What is the psychological, moral, ethical wisdom of those few, first few statements? Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. Identify who you are and admitting what you have. Absolutely. These people will not do that. They're self-deceived, and they're saying, hey, I'm Chris, and I'm great. I'm great, fine, all is well, when inside I'm a wreck, I'm an, whatever, whatever the deal is, okay. Um, therefore, this is what the Lord God says to the person who is spiritually self-deceived. Are you ready for this? Boy, your ears are gonna burn. Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. The one who believes in it will not be disturbed. It will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. Then hell will sweep away the refuge of lies and the waters will overflow the secret place. What is that? You guys should know this. What's that? It's Jesus, absolutely. These, this is material Paul directly quotes in Romans 9.33, I lay a precious cornerstone in Zion. Now, if you, well, in fact, everybody turn to Romans 9.33. Let's not miss the opportunity here. Romans 9.33, uh, verse 30, 9.30. What should we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness but the righteousness that is by faith. However, Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though they could by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Jesus, just as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and the one who believes in him will not be put to shame. Fascinating that Paul quotes that. It's also in 1 Peter 2. Yep. Your covenant, this is verse 18, back at 28, 18. Your covenant with death will be canceled, and your pact with Sheol, their version of hell, will not stand when the gushing flood passes through. Yeah. Let's jump over uh, to 23. Isaiah 28, 23. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention. Hear my words. The words of order by order, line upon line. A little here. Listen to what I'm trying to teach you. Does the farmer plow continually to plant seed? No. Does he continually turn and break up his ground? No. Does he not level its surface and sow dill and scatter cumin and plant wheat in rows? barley in its place and rye within its area for his God instructs him and teaches him properly a little here a little there order on order line up on line this is how you do farming this is the right way to do farming and God is saying you're not like a farmer you're missing the point um, 
Grain for bread is crushed. Indeed, he does not continue to thresh it forever because the wheel of his cart and his horses eventually damage it. He does not thresh it longer. This also comes from the Lord of armies who has made his counsel wonderful and his wisdom great. Isaiah is saying God is the wise teacher, not the prophets of Israel. Verse 29, or chapter 29, Jerusalem is warned it's moving south. Samaria, Judah, Jerusalem is next in line. The tornadoes of judgment is coming through. Whoa! Ariel, Ariel, the city where David once camped. Add year to year, keep your feasts on schedule, etc. Judgment is coming. Um, but look at, look at this, verse 5. But the multitude of your enemies will become like fine dust, and the multitude of the ruthless ones like chaff, which blows away, and it will happen suddenly, or instantly and suddenly. For the Lord of armies, you will be punished with thunder and earthquake and loud noise, with whirlwind and tempest and the flame of consuming fire. Judgment's coming. Uh, it will be as when a hungry person dreams, and behold, he is eating, but when he awakens, his hunger is not satisfied. Powerful descriptors of God's judgment. Or a thirsty man dreams of drinking, and behold, he is drinking, but when he awakens, the holy is faint, and his thirst is not quenched. This is serious stuff. Be delayed and horrified. Blind yourselves and be blind. But rather they become drunk, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. For the Lord has poured over you a deep sleep, a spirit of deep sleep, and has shut your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your ears, your heads, you seers. So these prophets are not necessarily drunk on wine, although I'm not saying they're not abusing it. But God is closing their eyes to not see his hand and closing their ears to not hear his voice as though they were drunk. Now, here you go. Pay attention. Verse 12. Then the book will be given to the one who is illiterate, saying, please read this. And he will say, I cannot read. Then the Lord said, because this people approaches me with their words and honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And their reverence for me consists of the commandment of men that is taught. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their wise men will perish, and the understanding of their men who have understanding will be concealed. Does that sound familiar? They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Who said that? Jesus to the Pharisees. Isaiah again, drawing, or not Isaiah, uh, Matthew and Mark drawing directly from Isaiah that there's a kind of person who says the right thing spiritually, but their heart is far, far away. Uh, I love verse 14. Therefore, behold, I'm going to once again deal marvelously with his people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of the wise men will perish, and those who think they're smart and have understanding, that's going to all be concealed. 
Who is the one that shames the intelligent and proves the wise foolish? Jesus. And if you recall the um, exchanges between Jesus and the Pharisee, he shames them every time. They can't outsmart Jesus. Um, verse 15, 29, 15. What are those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and his deeds are done in a secret place? And they say, who sees us? Who knows us? Isaiah goes, you turn things around. You got it backwards. Shall the potter be considered as equal to the clay? That what is made would say to its maker, he did not make me. But what is formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. Wow. Yeah. Getting things backwards. The promise of blessing is coming. Uh, verse 19, 29, 19. Is it not yet just a little while before Lebanon will be turned into a fertile field? This is the language of restoration. The fertile field will become a forest, considered as a forest. On that day, those who are deaf will hear words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of those who are blind will see. The de- it's like the depressed are going to find joy. The afflicted also will increase their joy in the Lord. And the needy of mankind will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless will come to an end, and the scorner will be finished. Indeed, all who are intent on doing evil will be eliminated. Cause a person to be indicted by a word, and set a trap for the arbiter at a gate. And look at this last line. If this doesn't describe our American culture, I don't know what does. And defraud the one in the right with meaningless arguments. Wow, what an indictment on American culture. Trying to destroy somebody with absurd, meaningful arguments. That's like saying, yeah, I went to the border and our U.S. border is secure and all things are in control. So why would you say they're not in control? I was there, they're in control. Meaningless absurd psycho babbling on and that is literally what is going on in our culture you don't have to be guilty you just have to be accused and accused with silly arguments and you're destroyed so um, I love this final comment in chapter 29 Uh, those who err in mind will know the truth and those who criticize will accept instruction wow Uh, If you remember when Jesus, um, when he came, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to open the eyes of the blind. The deaf can hear, the the blind can see, and to to declare the fable years of the Lord. So I think this is heaven. All right, there you go. 28 and 29, kind of an overview there. Uh, Questions or insights that you have from 28 and 29 that we can pull into our world today.
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really is slowed. Really important not to stray from the basic tenets of belief. Basic stuff. Yeah. Um, to me, one of the order on orders, line on line, little here, little there, like you're teaching Evelyn or teaching Phoebe. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Do you know the mess that that cleans up? <laughs> Just that one little childlike idea. Be nice. <laughs> be kind. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mindful. I think it was Vance Havner. Do you know who? Do you remember Vance Havner? Anybody, Phyllis, remember Vance Havner? He was this really famous kind of wordsmith, country preacher, really famous back in his day. Uh, I think it was Vance Havner who said, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you there longer than you want to stay. Sin will cost you more than you want to pay. Remember that? Yeah. I yeah, my, I, I, I may be misquoting or attributing it to, to Vance Havner, but, um, but this is true, you know, little compromises. And all of a sudden, all the leaders of Israel are, their disobedience is so profound, it's as though they're all drunk. They're just, quite frankly, worthless. As, as spiritual leaders, they're worthless. And so, yeah. Because a lot of the churches today, you know, they do that. They little little, little bit in here and there. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Alexander Pope, one of the great English authors from many years ago, said... Sin is a monster of such awful mean, form or kind. Sin is a monster of such awful mean, to be hated needs but to be seen. And seen too often, familiar with face, be first endured, then pitied, then embraced. And what would have been considered a horrible, shocking scandal 50 years ago, it's now like you have to defend it and protect it. Yeah. Sin is a monster of such awful mean, to be hated needs but to be seen, and seen too oft familiar with face. Be first endure, then pity, then embrace. Alexander Pope. If my memory serves me well, we shall see. So, yeah.